Good evening. We welcome you. I'm actually in here in the Family Life Center where we'd normally be doing our Wednesday night Bible study. And uh, we are studying 1st and 2nd Corinthians. We're still in 1st Corinthians. And we happen to come along to this 13th chapter of 1st Corinthians. It is the most well-known passage, I think, in all the Corinthians. And it talks about love. You've heard it so many times. But let me read it with you. Uh, Beginning in verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels and do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. It goes on to say, If I give all that I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, and love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. And where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put these things of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. For now there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. May God bless the reading and the hearing and the understanding of his precious and holy word. The most excellent way, here in chapter 13, this is sort of the shining star of all that Paul talks about in his writings in Corinthians. Uh, it is recited, this passage, at weddings. As a matter of fact, it is on a rare occasion that uh, someone who is getting married doesn't say, uh, can you use that love chapter? And I would say, 1 Corinthians 13, I said, yeah. Uh, it is used at almost every church wedding that I have participated in, with the exception of just a few. Uh, but what does it really mean here as we read it in a very poetic and flowing manner? What was Paul's aim in waxing so poetically in an otherwise harsh response to a dysfunctional church. Those of who have been studying with us on Wednesday night, we've talked about the church of Corinth. It's a divided church. It's a factious church. It's a church that is pretty immoral and idolatrous. And, and we find here in the midst of all of this that Paul talks about this agape love, this love that is full. One must forget that this church is accused of uh, sin that even the pagans wouldn't tolerate. So it was a tremendously uh, corrupt and sinful place that Paul was writing to. 
1 Corinthians 13 is a flowing definition of Christian love and a statement on the intended structure of spiritual gifts. For it says just before we get in chapter 13, while spiritual gifts are important to the functioning of the body or the church, they lose their value if love is not behind them. Love is more important than all the spiritual gifts uh, that was existing in the Christian body. You see, they began to be puffed up, uh, boastful, arrogant about a particular spiritual gift that they had. And Paul is putting this in perspective as he comes here in uh, 1 Corinthians 13 and talks about uh, the kind of love that people should have if they're going to do the work of God. Well, uh, I heard of a pastor who years ago was going to have a very known uh, Christian artist into his church. And they were excited about it. They publicized it among their young people. They publicized it uh, throughout the church and other churches, invited other young people to come. And the night was about to arrive and they knew that the sanctuary would be full of kids. Uh, every nook and every cranny, they'd be packed into them. But uh, they allowed some of the leaders of the church and some of the youth uh, to be able to meet this artist uh, before he was about to uh, sing in message and song that night. And he said his experience was disappointing. Matter of fact, he wouldn't even name who this Christian artist was because they were so disappointed. When they met him, instead of being a love and caring and compassionate guy, what they found out was he was very arrogant. He was condescending. Uh, he wanted a lot of things. It was about him. And uh, they entered that time to have prayer with him. And they came out of that experience feeling pretty doggone empty because uh, they found in that experience that... Uh, he didn't seem to be the person uh, that they thought he was. Now, he sang beautifully, uh, but uh, they were disappointed in his personhood and the way that he showed compassion and love. We find here in this passage uh, in 1 Corinthians that um, we're reminded of that question that Tina Turner asked in that song back in the 80s. You remember? What's love got to do with it? Well, the answer to that question is absolutely everything. For the Corinthians, uh, they have become so enamored with their own spiritual gifts and they're performing miracles and they, they know how to prophesy and speak in tongues, but they forget the very essential characteristic of a Christian's life, the core value of the church. Not to exercise spiritual gifts, but the expression of love one for the other. Paul develops this thought in one of the most beloved portions that we find in all the New Testament, in all of Scripture, the citizens of the first century Corinth. Uh, they consider five things to be very important, and Paul uh, is able to enunciate those things, oratory, prophecy, miracle working, philanthropy, and martyrdom. Paul identifies these five things in the opening verses of the 13th chapter to suggest that love is even better than those five things if we possess them. Listen to the words again. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. 
If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, he says, I gain nothing. Paul wrote this letter, uh, not only to those people, but to us today. Probably if we could come up with five elements today, one person suggested that we uh, may um, be able to uh, list those in a different way. And one guy said, uh, today they would be, what is it that we've accomplished? What is it that we're saying? What do we know? What do we believe? And what do we give? Nevertheless, we would apply the same principle. What we accomplish is not central to the Christian life. Uh, success without service is absolutely useless. What we say is not central uh, to the Christian life either. For saying the right thing and then not doing the right thing, we find that's absolutely useless. What we know is not central to the Christian faith, for knowledge is not to be used to improve our lives, but to help others in the kingdom of God. And if we don't do that, then that is useless. What, believe, uh, what we believe is not the central element in the Christian life, for unless our theology is translated into the witness that we bear in the world, then we have missed out on something very important. Even what we give, however sacrificial it may be, if we don't give that uh, with a true heart, a cheerful heart, a giving heart, uh, to be able to help the kingdom of God, uh, then we find that it is in vain as well. If we accomplish every personal goal, uh, always say the right thing, learn everything that we can learn, we're orthodox in our beliefs, we give sacrificially to the church, but do not love people, what Paul is saying then, and what Paul is saying now, that it is of absolute no value. You see, what's got love to do with all of this? The answer is absolutely everything. Only if we love as Jesus calls us to love, we will be able to live out our faith in a more effective manner. But we find that Paul tells us that real Christian love is self-initiated in our response to the life that we're living. To use Paul's words, he says here in verse 4 that love is patient. Now, uh, that's maybe a virtue that you may say you don't possess. It's a hard one to come by, isn't it? Patience doesn't just simply mean holding on in the midst of difficulties. Maybe some of you, uh, as you listen to me tonight, you're saying, well, I'm, I'm trying to practice patience. I'm just trying to hold on in the midst of this terrible virus and time that we are in. Well, it really means more than that. It also means moving forward in the midst of opposition. Sometimes we face opposition. No matter what others do to us, we continue to love them. Now, you may say, wait a minute, you, you've gone too far already on this passage. Uh, it hurts me when people say ugly things about me or, or, or uh, total mistruths or part uh, truth or things that really uh, are told wrongly. That, that really hurts me. That affects me. And I understand what you say. But because the actions of others that they are giving off to us doesn't mean that we treat them uh, with the same disrespect uh, or show them 
uh, that we hate them. You see, our love flows naturally out of our commitment to Jesus Christ. Our love is not determined by what others do to us. Now, the natural man would say, that's not the world that I live in. The Christian is called to treat other people differently because Christ has died on behalf of our sins. He has given us salvation. And because of that, we are called to live a different kind of life. We love uh, irrespectful of how other people may be treating us or responding to us. I heard of a story by Brian Harper who talked about a family that had a, several kids in it and, and two of the kids were very compliant and uh, they were always doing what was right, made good grades and their behavior was great and the parents were proud of them. But they had this one daughter, she was very defiant. She was very defiant in all that she was doing. She, she was disrespectful of her family and her parents. Uh, she'd get in trouble at school. She even got to the point that she started taking some drugs. Her mother came home one day and she was non-responsive and she finally was able to stir enough to let the daughter tell her what had happened and she had taken some drugs and she was OD and she rushed her to the hospital. Uh, she got those drugs pumped off of her stomach and the girl was able to come back too. They got her in counseling and got her some help. Uh, that helped some, but she was still being pretty defiant. And the mother woke up one night in the middle of the night worried about her daughter. In the dark, she was lying in the bed praying for her daughter that the Lord would intercede on her behalf. And when daylight came, she went into her daughter's room and she told her, she said, uh, Jennifer, I want you to know, uh, I don't understand all that you're going through. And I hope that some good comes out of this, but I want you to know that whatever you do, that I will never, ever Stop loving you. Why would she say such a thing as that? Because she was her mother. God loves us in spite of all of our sinfulness. And God calls us to share that same kind of love in this difficult world that we live in. Paul makes the same point in our text concerning Christian love. We are to love others because it is the very nature of a Christian to love. No matter what others do, we still are called to love because our love is not determined by our relationship to what other people are saying or doing to us. It may hurt us. Our love is based on the love that God has placed in our heart. It is determined by our relationship to Jesus Christ. So he says, love is patient. Secondly, he says here in this passage in verse 4, is uh, that we are to have uh, a quality of love that affirms uh, a love-transforming response to life. And he says here in verse 4 that love is kind. And it's exactly what you hear when we hear the word kind. J.B. Phillips' translation has Paul say it this way. Love looks like uh, a way that we can find to be constructive. Christian love expresses itself, it acts, it reaches out, it lifts up, it encourages, it is able to be positive with people around us. Christian love always looks for a way of being constructive. Harbor also shares about a YMCA uh, game that he was able to observe with middle schoolers. A lot of times these coaches may load up their team and 
these teams are, are not in fair competition. It was the very best team in the league, and they were absolutely loaded with talent against the worst team uh, that was in the league, and uh, they hadn't won a game all year. The best team had won every game. And the game went according to whole, how you would expect it. As they started playing, uh, this best team, they were up down the court scoring. The other team could hardly even get it up the court before they stole the ball, went and laid it back up again. By the time they got to the fourth quarter, uh, this team that had not won a game was down 50 points and was really struggling. And so in the fourth quarter, both teams began to substitute. It was a rule in the YMCA League that all the players should play. It's much like our RA Basketball League. Everybody has to play some, and that's a fair thing to do. As I started putting these players in, um, still the best team was better than the other team's second uh, string, and they were just wearing them out. But there was only a few minutes left to play. And this team that uh, had not even scored 10 points in the game put in their worst player who had never played any basketball, who had very little basketball skills. When he went on the court, he didn't even know which way to run with his team to be able to score. And they got down there with the ball, his team did, and one of the players accidentally threw the ball to him. And when they threw the ball to him, all the players froze, even the referees froze. They put their hands by their side. He had the ball in his hand, he moved it around, and he moved forward two or three steps without bouncing the ball, which means that he had already traveled and walked. They let him do what he wanted to do, and he shot the ball to the basket, and it rolled off, and one of the players of the other team got the rebound and threw it back to him again. And he shot it again, and it went around and around the rim, and finally went in, and everybody in the stands went ballistic cheering for him. See, they were kind this young man who had never played much basketball. There was something bigger going on in that game than just beating another team by 50 some points. They showed some love and they showed some kindness. And I think that that's what uh, we find that Paul is calling the Corinthians to do. And he's calling us to do that too. He goes on to say that love is not envious. Uh, to remove envy is a possibility. Uh, we must remove self-centeredness. He says not boastful. We know what that means. Go around tooting our own horn all the time, making sure everybody pays attention to us. Anything we do good, we let somebody know about that. He says uh, we shouldn't be arrogant if we really are loving people. In other words, uh, holding ourselves up as an example of how everybody else should be. Conceit is, is a good word to substitute here uh, for this word arrogant or to be rude. That means behaving disgracefully, uh, not really caring what other people think. He says, do not insist on its own way. Uh, love is not to be uh, centered on ourselves, but on others in Jesus Christ. Boy, this is one that really calls us to pay attention. It says, not to be irritable or resentful. Have you been irritable today? Are you resentful towards anybody? Somebody got on your nerves? Is there somebody in your life that, man, you just don't like them and you don't even want to see them? Uh, slights, insults, affronts, acknowledging that love 
is still the most excellent way. And then in verse 6, it does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Um, it, it means you don't want somebody to fail. You don't want somebody to suffer, even though you don't like them. Uh, you want them to be successful in their lives. And it says in verse 7 that it bears all things. That means that because of love, that the Christian can put up with almost anything and still remain committed. Not because we have enough energy and not because we have enough strength in our own personal lives, but because Jesus Christ is the very center of our life and in our hearts. And because of that, we're able to overcome so many things of the world that gets in our way. Bears all things. Paul in 1 Corinthians always is saying to us, those gifts, yeah, they're good. That he's talking about in the previous chapter and he talks about in other places in 1 Corinthians. Those spiritual gifts, they're wonderful. And maybe today where you are, you're saying, I wish I had more spiritual gifts. And we've talked about spiritual gifts a couple of times here in, in uh, our Wednesday night Bible study. I've talked about it in preaching in the last couple of months, spiritual gifts. We, we wish we had more spiritual gifts. And he's not saying those things are bad, but he's saying that's not the best. He's saying that unless it is saturated, unless it's covered with love, then they are of no value. They mean nothing. We gain nothing by that. You know, I've done a lot of weddings, way over 200. And most every time I read this 1 Corinthians passage, particularly where it says that love is very kind, very patient and loving, those things I've just talked about. And as I prepare for the wedding and as I stand with that couple, my prayer is always, if you could take these words from 1 Corinthians 13 and you could apply them to your marriage and you really took this seriously and you tried to live it day in and day out in the rough patches and the tough times as well as in those joyous times, oh, the impact it would make on your marriage. And my prayer is always when I'm reading this passage and sometimes uh, when I speak and a sort of a little homily or sermonette about what that means, my prayer is that couple will really take these words to heart and they'll live by them and they'll make a difference in their lives. What about us as Christians? My gracious, we talk a lot about love. And it's easy when somebody loves us well or somebody treats us good. But that wasn't the case in Corinth. And you know what? That's not the case so often here. I'm sure every single one of you who listened to me today could tell of an instance, could tell of a situation, could illustrate what it means to be treated by somebody in an unloving way. And let's acknowledge it hurts, it's painful. But God says, go beyond that. The natural man would retaliate, but because I have placed love in your heart, the strongest love of all, agape love, then you treat others fairly. He ends that by saying, there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. May we practice that kind of love today and tomorrow, this week. May we focus on that while we're at home, uh, while we have an opportunity 
to call other people on the phone or do something on behalf of somebody else. May we practice that love. Even somebody who hasn't been loving to us, maybe it's time we wrote them a note and let them know that uh, we've, we've put the axis down. What is God trying to do in your life on this day as we read this powerful passage in 1 Corinthians 13? May he allow transformation to occur in your life because you surrender yourself over to him on this evening. May God bless you. Amen and amen. Uh, as we've been able to share in 1 Corinthians 13, powerful passage. May it make a change in your life as a result of reading it and studying it and practicing it every day. Amen.